Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear Saints, while inflation keeps soaring, and while the worth of your money diminishes by the hour, and while stock markets plummet to their longest losing streak in 99 years, and while the price of fuel skyrockets to record levels, and while mothers struggle to feed their infants, our government chose to send billions of our tax dollars to Ukraine, thus driving our country into greater financial crisis. And while we hear of new diseases and emergencies and disasters and scare tactics from the media and the government elites as a way to throw this entire world into a panic, we've also seen those same people deny the difference between a male and a female. We've seen them embrace ungodly things like homosexuality, the mutilation of children, the indoctrination of those children to hate God and to love sin. While meteorologists uh, predict abnormal hurricane activity this year and heat waves to sweep across the country, We've also seen the psychotic hatred and massacre of children in broad daylight. I'm talking about Planned Parenthood and doctors who murder children for money. We've also seen maniacs slaughter innocent people in grocery stores and most recently in elementary schools. The shedding of blood while law enforcement, the ones who were supposed to protect us, refused to go in and help. And when we look around in this world, we see nothing but chaos and misery, constantly. We are inundated in bad news as the doctor gives you your diagnosis. As your savings dwindle, as your own parents age and become weak and frail before your eyes, as you look into the eyes of your own children and realize that they have to grow up in a world that is much more hostile to Christianity than it ever was for you. And so with all of this going on, it is a very good day to remember the ascension of our Lord. This is a very good week to remember that Jesus has ascended and that the Father has given all things into his hands. That is what we're observing here today. We're remembering the ascension of Christ. This is one of the highest feast days in the year. Sadly, it's forgotten many times and not even celebrated. But this is one of the greatest consolations that you could ever hear as a Christian, is that Christ has ascended. When the Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, it doesn't mean that Jesus has gone anywhere, that he's removed himself from us, and that he's in some sort of location. He himself says, and lo, at his ascension, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And those words mean exactly what they say. He hasn't left. So the right hand of God isn't a location that's far away. The right hand of God is a position of authority. 
It is an office. And we still talk this way even today. If someone is your right-hand man, he's, he's the one who does all of the work. So when the Bible says the right hand of the Lord exalts, the right hand of the Lord does valiantly, uh, in, in Psalm 118, when it again says, Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power, and your right hand, O Lord, has shattered the enemy. It's talking about Jesus. It's talking about the Christ who has done these things, that the Father has done these things through his Son, through the Lord. It's saying uh, that very thing, so that Jesus sits at the right hand of God. When the scriptures say that, it means that the Father rules the world through Jesus, through his son. That is the right hand of God, the unending, the universal dominion of Christ over everything. It means that his power is unlimited and unfathomably great. Uh, His omnipotence, his omnipresence, his majesty is beyond imagination. Now, I want to clear something up here. It's not that Jesus did not have this power before. Uh, Even while he was uh, in a manger crying, He had that same power. He always had the power, always in his earthly life. But he voluntarily refrained from using all of his power. Um, He refrained from the full use of it. Now, in his ascension, he has taken up the full use of his power and he no longer limits himself voluntarily. All those years in his life, he limited himself, but now he doesn't. He's ascended over all things. He's subject to no one. He puts all things under his feet. That means nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for him. He's not subject to the laws of gravity. As you saw in his ascension, he's not subject to the laws of physics or biology or logic or science or time or reason, or any of these things. If he wants to be, if the Lord wants it, if he wills it, if he wants to be fully, completely, physically present at this altar here today, and at the same time at another altar a thousand miles away, fully, then he can do exactly that, exactly as he wills it. If he wants to be omnipresent throughout the entire world in his flesh and blood at once, in one moment, There is nothing that is standing in his way. Not even reason or logic or time or space or anything. This is what it means that he sits at the right hand of God and all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. So reason and logic and the laws of nature are subject to God, not the other way around. He is not confined. He is not subject to any of our imagination, any idea or reason. He is in control of all things and nothing controls him. And this, the fact that Jesus is in complete and utter control of all things is the greatest consolation for you. Because this means that the one who runs the universe, the one who is in control of every single event, the one who rules the weather and the governments and the nations and the planets, the one who controls and rules when the sparrow falls to the ground, the one who knows and controls when the star explodes millions of light years away to the very number of hairs on your head, the one who controls all of these things is the same one who opened up his veins and poured out every last drop of his holy and precious blood for you. 
The one who rules the world is the same one who gasped with his final breath in his lungs for the forgiveness of your sins. And that means that all of human history, all of it, every single moment of it is not subject to randomness or chance, but all of human history is subject and in the hands, the nail-pierced hands of Jesus. And since he's in control, that means for you, there is never a crisis. It means there's nothing ever to panic over at all. There's no emergency. There's no panic. There's no crisis. And I know it looks like the world is a mess and just absolute bedlam. But Jesus is in control of it all. Psalm 103 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. And it is precisely because Jesus is in control that the Bible then goes on to say, Be anxious about nothing and don't worry about tomorrow. Those things go hand in hand, the ascension of Christ and the fact that you don't have to worry or be anxious about anything. That goes hand in hand. If if there were just one thing that Jesus was not in control of, just one tiny aspect of this life that was out of his control, that was left to chance, even competing with Jesus, then the Bible could not say, be anxious about nothing. Because that one thing would be the one thing that we should be anxious over, right? But there isn't. And so the scriptures say, be anxious about nothing. Even more, the Bible doesn't just say, be anxious about nothing, as if, well, just don't worry about it. It's, it's, um, it's not going to be as bad as you thought. The Bible clearly says in Romans 8, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. It's not simply that God knows the outcome of this life. He controls the outcome of this life. He, and he doesn't just control the good things. Or some things. Or even most things. He is in complete control of all things. Even the evil things. And he has promised to work even through those evil things for your good, not in just some vague or general generic good, but for your specific good. The, the, you, you, you here today in your hearts, take this to heart that the Lord is working this entire planet and the entire history for your good. Um, I didn't even write this in the sermon. I just thought of it. But I know we were accustomed to hearing people say, oh, that, that this or that is a God thing, Right. Something good happens, this is a God thing. This is a God thing. Well, the implication there is that some things are not God things. And the scriptures say that it all is a God thing. It is, he's in control of it all, even the terrible things. Now, he, the, the point is that God doesn't cause evil. He's not the author of evil, but he subjects evil like a slave to his will, to what he does and wants to accomplish. That means... That the shootings and the abortions and the wickedness and the corruption, the disease, the disasters, the wars, the inflation, the sicknesses, all of this, all of this God uses to promote your salvation. 
to lead to it. And that means that there's not one piece of news that God in your life has not used and is not using for good. Now, God didn't have to reveal it. I suppose he could have simply said, and hidden this from us, and then said on the last day, by the way, uh, remember your life, remember all that stuff that happened. I was in control of it. Uh, so just, just so you know. He could, he could have done that. But he has chosen to tell us now. And that means if he chose, chose to tell us now, it means he's done it for a comfort. He told us so that we would receive the benefit, so that our hearts would never be troubled, no matter what happened, so that we'd have peace, so that the, his word would take away every ounce of worry and anxiety in your heart. He told you this so that no matter how terrible life would ever become for you, you would never for a second be driven to despair, so that you would always have hope. Jesus, remember what Jesus said in John 16. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have trials and tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. When you take a hold of this word, I don't want you to get bogged down in trying to figure it out. <clears throat> trying to figure out how God is working things for good. Just know that he is. That is enough. So don't try peering into the secret and mysterious will of God. Don't try to find meaning in all of the coincidences and connect all the dots and have maps up in your room with lines everywhere, these sort of things. Don't try and figure it out. That's not why God told us this. He didn't tell us so that we would have more work to do. And, it's, and the point is, it doesn't even matter if we figure it out or not. Just concern yourself knowing that God has told us these things and concern yourself with what he's clearly said. All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Don't busy yourself searching for signs and wonders. Busy yourself with what the Bible clearly and plainly said. As far as you're concerned, this is what you have to do with this information. Just do what God tells you in the scriptures and let God take care of the outcome. That's it. You don't worry about the outcome. You just do what the Lord said. If he, if he has said something to, to do something in the scriptures, then do that. Don't worry about the, out, the outcome. Don't try to manipulate or change the outcome. Let it be. Let the Lord take care of it. Put in an honest day's work. Commend your day to God. Go to sleep in good cheer. Follow his word. Think diligently about it. Your job isn't to figure it out. It's to trust that God has he already has. And this is your greatest consolation, that God has secured your salvation from before the foundation of the world so that no matter what weakness or wickedness your flesh is going through, no matter what the devil and the world throw your way, God has ordained it in his eternal decree that it would promote and cause your salvation. He has ordained exactly. Listen, listen carefully, carefully. Each of you have your own crosses. Each of you are suffering in a very different way today and in your life. You've suffered very different ways. But God has ordained exactly what each one of you are to suffer in this brief life. 
That, mean, that means the cross that he has given you is the one given to you by the Lord himself. And he has ordained it. He has determined also how to help you in those moments and how to save you in every distress. He has planned how and when to grant you patience, how and when to grant you consolation, how and when to nourish you and give you hope, how and when to produce an outcome that will be for your good. From before the foundation of the world, he has ordained by what crosses and sufferings he's going to use to conform you to the image of his son. So, I don't know what will happen next. Nobody does. I don't know what Russia or Ukraine or China or the United States is going to do. I don't know what persecution you'll face next or what the government will do. I don't know what diseases or disasters or what inflation or recession or how miserable life will get for us. I don't know how many more shootings or massacres and wars are going to happen. And I don't know what the doctor will tell you. And I don't know how many days you have left. But what I do know is that Christ lives. And he sits at the right hand of God. And he put all things under his feet. And he has established his kingdom right in the middle of this world that while the world has given you constantly news of this shooting and that shooting and this war and a rumor of a war, your own sickness and poverty, Christ cuts through all of the noise with the news that your sins are forgiven and that when you close your eyes in death, you will open them to see the face of your dear Lord. His main concern isn't the economy. His main concern isn't the government or inflation or the dollar bill or even the United States. His main concern is you. His main concern is your salvation. And he will use everything in this world to accomplish it. And he will not fail. So, dear saints, is this world full of sorrow and sin and agony? Very much so. But no matter how taxing and awful these things may be, every one of your problems has already been solved by Christ who loves you. You just don't see it yet. And when your last hour comes and when it's time for you to breathe your final breath. Then you will look back on this life and see that everything that happened in your life happened in just the exact way and at the exact time needed for you to die with faith in Christ. You will see that all of the pain and sorrow and grief and sadness, every moment of joy, every moment of trouble, every single second that happened in your life happened exactly the way it needed to to lead to a holy and blessed end so that the Lord would take you from this veil of tears to be with him forever. That is what it means that all things will work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So don't worry. Christ lives and he is on his throne forever. Amen. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. 
The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.